0: begin with recapping some of the things that uh, we learned last Sunday that I was with you and I'm going to uh, recap very briefly of the central theme that God brought us in our lesson last Sunday. If you recall, I read from the Epistle to the Corinthians, the first epistle, where the Apostle Paul writing to them, He said, and I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, he writes to them and he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? And this was the, the, if I could call it, the cry of the apostle's heart, that he desired to feed them, he said, with solid food, but he could not. He could only give them milk, because they were not able to receive the solid food. They were still babes in Christ. And the evidence that they were still children in the Lord, in other words, they have not grown up spiritually, they have not matured in the things of God, was that the evidence among them proved that they still carnal. In other words, they were body-ruled, or they were governed by the five physical senses rather than being led and governed by the Spirit of God. And the evidence he saw, he said, there is still envy, strife, and divisions among you. And I did mention last Sunday that if the, if the apostle would address the modern church today, by and large, the Western church, he would write the same thing. We see the evidence of so much strife in the church, divisions, Envying, jealousy, and all of these things are the evidence of a carnal nature. In other words, we have not matured in the things of God. And also, Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he explains what that solid food is that he desired to give them, but he could not communicate that solid food to them. He he could not uh, give them the very things that God has put on his heart to give them. And he says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 6 and 7, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Notice what the solid food that Paul is referring to is. The solid food is the wisdom of God. He goes on to say, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. The wisdom that Paul was speaking about was not human wisdom was not the wisdom of this age or worldly wisdom. It was the hidden wisdom of God, the wisdom which the Lord Jesus Christ walked with and walked on every single day of his life. He said this wisdom is hidden not from us, but for us and for our glory. In other words, God reserved and has hidden away for us Hidden wisdom which would glorify us, which would put us over, which would unlock problems, situations, circumstances, and will put us over in life. Now, the reason why it's hidden is because God does not want our enemies, that is, Satan and his cohorts, to get hold of this wisdom. And so, it's reserved for us. It's hidden for us. But... Even though God desires to communicate the deeper things of the Spirit, this hidden wisdom, which is a mystery to the world, but not to the mature believer, is, 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 um, is reserved for us. And though God desires to communicate that, he is unable to unless and until we mature in the things of God. Babes in Christ are not able to receive this. They will not receive it because the Word of God says the natural man or the carnal man does not receive the things of the Spirit or the mysteries of the kingdom of God because they are foolishness to him. And that's why Jesus was misunderstood. He was ridiculed. He was rejected by the religious leaders because they could not see through this wisdom. They could not discern the wisdom of God. They were natural people without the Spirit of God. And so even though God desires to communicate this wisdom that will put us over in life or will bring us into the glory of God, He's unable to unless and until we mature in the things of the Spirit. So the responsibility to grow and mature in the things of God is placed upon us. And I've heard John Bavia say that spiritual growth and development is neither a function of studying or learning, but it is a function of obedience. So we can learn, we can study, we can quote scripture, but unless we are willing to put into practice the very things we learn from the Word of God, we will not grow. Now, God the Father, through the sacrifice of Jesus, according to the Word of God, has provided everything that we will need to reach our promised land. And to us today, in the New Testament terms, the promised land is being in a state of completeness, being in a state of being fully developed and mature in the things of the Spirit. And so what does God do in order to mature us? I want you to listen carefully so that you can understand the purpose and the plan of God and the ways in which God works with us in order to take us from our Egypt, from where we were in the world, takes us out of the world, and then the destination is the promised land. I want to share with you today And communicate to you the ways of God, the the things that God uses in order to take us from a state of immaturity and babes in Christ to a state of spiritual development and maturity. And the first thing that God does, he takes us into the wilderness. Remember the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea they came into the wilderness. God's purpose was not for them to stay in the wilderness, but the wilderness was a preparation for the promised land. In that wilderness, God was training them, God was equipping them, and God was teaching them valuable lessons and training them for the promised land. The destination was not the wilderness, but the promised land. Now, The title of my message today is called, The Journey to Maturation. The journey that God takes us through in order to mature us. When you came to Christ, when you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you began a journey. It's a journey of faith. It's a journey of a relationship with the Lord. And it's a journey to maturity. God does not want us to stay stagnant and babes in Christ all of our lives. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to mature in the things of the Spirit. He wants us to take responsibility not only for our own lives, but also for the lives of those He has called us to serve and minister to with our gifting. So, The word maturation is a process of reaching a stage of full or advanced development. I want to say that again. The word maturation means the process of reaching a stage of full or advanced spiritual development. In other words, maturation is the process of maturing or of reaching maturity so that's the process god takes us on a journey and the first thing he does he puts us through the wilderness now pastor frank gave a powerful message this morning and he talked about what the wilderness is sometimes we hear wilderness and uh, it's a biblical term and we don't fully understand what does it mean what is what is the wilderness? Well, I cannot improve on it, so I'm going to give you Pastor Frank's definition of a wilderness. Are, we, are, you, are you with me? Praise God. He said, wilderness is a season in which God appointed for you for your spiritual development. The wilderness is a season in which God appointed specifically for you for your spiritual development. The season of wilderness is not a curse, but it's a blessing in disguise. It is not God's punishment, as some of us may think, but it is a season of discipline, listen carefully, and even a measure of suffering in the flesh for the purpose of spiritual development and the formation of Christ-like character. It's important that we perceive the wilderness the way God intended us to perceive it. It is not a curse, it is not God's punishment, though it is God's discipline, season of discipline or season of discipling us, And in that wilderness, we may experience a measure of suffering for the purpose of spiritual development and the formation of Christ-like character. I heard uh, Rick Godwin many years ago make a statement. I've never been able to forget it. He said that God is not committed to the provision of our comfort But he is committed to the production of our character. God wants us to develop our character, to develop and to grow up spiritually. And here is Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 2 and 3 that testifies to what I'm sharing with you. God, through Moses, is relating the experience of the wilderness to the children of Israel. And he says to them, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, he allowed you to hunger And fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that a man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So you see, the purpose of God for leading the children of Israel and for leading us into this spiritual wilderness is to humble us. In other words, God creates situations. God can't humble you. God God cannot humble us, but he creates the favorable circumstances for us to humble ourselves. He said, I led you all these years into the wilderness to humble you and to test you so that you may know. God knew what was in the heart, but we many times do not know what is deep down in our subconscious mind or our heart. But in the hard times, in the difficult times, under pressure, under pain, the very things that are deep down inside of us come to the surface. And it is a good time for us to see, to recognize what is inside and to deal with it and learn from it. And that's what God is after. Also, in correlation with what we're talking about, that the wilderness is a place of discipline, it's a place of training, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through to 11, testify to that fact. And remember, Hebrews 12 is in the New Testament. And uh, the writer to the Hebrews says, and encourages the believers, the Hebrew believers, saying to them, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. These Hebrew believers have forgotten the discipline of the Lord, and he's exhorting them to remember how God deals with those whom he receives. The Bible says, and he goes on to say, My son, this is the exhortation from the Lord. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Another translation says the discipline of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines or he chastises. And in fact, he says he scourges every son whom he receives. Now, This scourging is done in the Spirit. God disciplines us through the Spirit, but He will also allow us to go through various tests and trials in order to test our faith. God does not tempt us, but He does test us. We need to remember that. The Bible says that God tested Abraham, and He did command him to go sacrifice Isaac on the mount. And Abraham was found faithful in the test. And he says, if you endure chastening, or if you endure and not be discouraged or disheartened or give up or walk away from God during times of chastening or discipline, God deals with you as with sons. The very proof that you are a child of God, a son of the living God, A daughter of the living God is because you are being disciplined, you are being chastised, you are being trained for a greater purpose. So we need to do what? To endure during times of discipline. Praise God. Uh, Those years of my discipline, and even still today, from time to time, God will chastise me, God will discipline me, God will, will convict me in the Spirit through various ways that He does so. I remember in the earlier years, when I was going through the discipline of the Lord, It was only after months that I understood the purpose of God in it and I submitted myself to the discipline of the Lord and I began to learn from that exercise. Some people go through the same discipline year after year, month after month, and yet they never learn anything because the spiritual ears and eyes are closed. Praise God. We need to have an open ear. We need to perceive things the way God perceives them. We need to ask the Lord, as I said last Sunday, we need to pull back and say, Lord, show me what is it you are endeavoring to teach me through this exercise that I'm going through. So God can teach you through everything that, he, that you go through. He says, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening or discipline of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. The word illegitimate in the Greek is the word for English, bastard. In other words, you're not a legitimate son if you are not uh, being disciplined. Furthermore, he says, we have had human fathers "...who corrected us and we paid them respect, shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness." Here is the purpose for the discipline of the Lord. He makes us partakers of his holiness. And the Bible says, without holiness, no man will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, or the holy for they shall see God. So, here. Now, no chastening or discipline seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. You see, the wilderness is a painful experience we go through rivers we go through waters the bible says in Isaiah 43 and we go through fire that's literally not fire but you know in in figure of speech God says in Isaiah 43 when you go through the waters I will be with you when you go through the rivers they will not the waters will not overflow you You may think you're going to drown, but God says through, 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 through. When you go through, remember the word through. It's not a permanent uh, uh, state. You go through a situation. He says when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned because I'm there with you holding you. I'm there with you in the fire. Praise God. So, and then he says... um, they indeed chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may become uh, partakers of his own Now, no chastening seems to be joyful, but painful for the present. Nevertheless, afterwards, after you go through the discipline, that's why most times you cannot figure out nor understand while you're going through the discipline what's going on. Lord, why is this happening to me? What is going on? Everything seems dark. You don't understand it. You're trying to figure it out, and you can't with your logic. We need to, at that time, commit to the Lord, trust the Lord, surrender ourselves to Him, and trust Him even in the darkest hour. Afterwards, he says, it will yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Very important. That's why uh, the, the, the best time to understand what's going on is when you go on through it and you look back and you see, oh, that's what God was up to. That's what he was doing in my life. He was strengthening you. He was developing your faith. He was developing your patience, your perseverance. But while you were going through, you couldn't see that. And sometimes we, we ask these questions, why, Lord, why? But if god had to answer those questions he has to come down to our level and he won't come down to the to the to the human intellect you're asking god to come down to your level but he's asking you to rise up to his level and reason with him on the basis of his word and not on the basis of your intellect or natural understanding that's why the apostle paul encouraged us to pray and ask for spiritual understanding Mm -hmm. there's natural understanding and the spiritual understanding. Amen? So, praise God. What is the wilderness? Pastor Frank also defined wilderness as the season in which our faith is being tested. Our faith is being tested. And Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, in this, he says, you greatly rejoice... Another translation says, though now for a little while, if need be, you have suffered through various trials. This translation says, been grieved through various trials. Yes, trials and tests are not pleasant to the flesh. It's suffering, suffering in the flesh. Praise God. And I'm not talking about sickness and disease. I'm talking about uh, the, the inward uh, struggle that you go through as you wrestle with the desires of the flesh, with your own selfish ambitions, all of those things as God takes you through the process of sanctifying us, of maturing us in the things of God. So your faith will be tested. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, he also says, But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. You see that? When is the settling coming? When is the strengthening coming? When is your establishment coming? When is your perfection or your maturity arrive? After, after you have suffered a while in the flesh the bible teaches of suffering suffering is part and parcel of the disciples journey and we should embrace it as the apostle james says chapter one my brothers counted all joy when you fall into various tests and trials you suffer through those things so he says Knowing that the testing of your faith works patience, perseverance. But let patience have a perfect work that you may be complete and perfect, wanting and lacking nothing. So it's part of God's plan. Number three, I'm not sure I'm going to finish my lesson today, but I'm going to go as far as, as my time allows me to go. What is the wilderness. It is the season that can be also, that's according to Pastor Frank, spiritual battle, a, ch- a challenge in your life. It could be a battle in your marriage to rescue your marriage from being dissolved. It could be in your finances. It could be in your body. Right now, my faith is being tested through The uh, through my eyes, the affliction in my eye. According to medical science, there is no cure for myasthenia gravis, but with the Lord Jesus Christ, there has been a cure, and the cure has been provided. Over 2,000 years ago, the Word of God declares that Himself took our infirmities, bore our sicknesses, and 1 Peter 2.24 says, by His stripes, ye were healed. If ye were healed, then I am healed. I was healed. And if I was, then I am. But I have an opportunity for my faith to be tested and to be found genuine to the praise of God. Do I really believe what I preach? Do I really believe the word of God? Or do I say I just believe? Am I going to cave in the test? Change my confession of faith? Change my way of preaching and teaching? No. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I am only moved by what I believe. And I believe the word of God. Praise God. So while my faith is being tested and tried, at the end of the trial, it will prove that it is genuine, And it is so precious, the Bible says. Faith, genuine faith, is far more precious than gold and silver and anything you may desire upon the face of the earth. God looks for genuine faith today. That's why Jesus said in Luke's Gospel chapter 18, when the Son of Man returns, will he find such faith on the earth? God is looking for genuine faith, Bible faith not had knowledge and so here it's a challenge it is a challenge i get into my car and i can't drive because the road is blurry you talk about challenge but you know what by the word of god the lord through his spoken word has taken the fear out of my heart i'm not afraid Are you there? Are you with me? I'm not afraid. I know God is with me. I know God is for me and not against me. And this is my declaration of faith. I'm going through this trial, but I'm also going through so that I can give you an example of biblical faith. The Bible says that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that he was able to perform what he had promised. Amen? Abraham was fully persuaded, and we have been given the faith of Abraham. He didn't stagger through unbelief, but he was strong in faith. And what does strong faith do? In the midst of the storm, in the midst of a trial, gives glory to God. Praise God forevermore. It's easy to praise God when everything is going well for you. But it's not that easy to praise God and to shout the glory of God when you're going through a challenge, when you're going through a test, when you're going through a trial, when you're going through a financial situation that that takes everything out of you. When you go to bed at night and you don't know how you're going to meet your needs tomorrow. When your body is wrecked with pain. It's not easy to glory God and to praise God and to thank God with all the faith that you can master. But that's what genuine faith does. He was strong in faith. Well, how can I be strong in faith, Pastor? Just give glory to God. The Bible says strong faith gives glory to God. And one more thing Abraham did. He said he considered not his own body now dead. Being a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. You see, strong faith does not consider the body. Does not consider how you feel. It's not how you feel that counts, is what God has spoken. What did Abraham consider before he received the promise? He considered that which was spoken. What was spoken? So shall thy seed be, as the stars in the heavens and as the, as the sand on the seashore. He considered the promise and not his body. Folks, this is what God is looking for. He's looking for men and women who will not be moved by their feelings nor by the physical sight, but they will be moved by the living word of God and by the words the Spirit of God has spoken into their hearts. Are you with me? That's what strong faith does. He said he did not consider his own body. Your body might be wrecked with pain, but strong faith gives glory to God and says, I believe God. I believe God that it will be just as God said it will be. I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. That's faith. Amen. Praise God. So, so season of wilderness can be, according to Pastor Frank, spiritual battle, a challenge in your life, your marriage, your finances, your body, your business, or your ministry. Number four, the season of wilderness is the season where you feel like God's presence is very far from you, while indeed He's still there with you. You don't feel anything. You feel as dry as a twig. But you know what? On purpose, God often will withdraw the feelings so that you can learn to walk by faith and not by feeling. The Bible says in First Corinthians, I think, or second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven, we walk by faith and not by sight. God does not want you to walk by feelings. Oh, I feel good. And the next day you may get up from the bed, you don't feel that good. You feel pain, you feel old, you feel lethargic. But if you learn to walk by faith and not by feeling, you will be steady and steadfast every single day of the year. Amen. So, Presence, God's presence. The Bible says that God will never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah, Pastor, but I don't feel. I feel so far away from God. Well, what is God teaching you in that? He's teaching you to walk by faith. He's with you. He says, I will be with you in trouble. He says, when you walk through the rivers, I will be there with you. Or you think you're drowning, but God says, I'm not going to let you drown. And I'm not going to let you burn because I'm there with you. Psalm 91 verse 16 says, I will be with him in trouble. I will be with him in trouble. He doesn't take trouble away. He wants you to go through the trouble. He wants you to go through the river. He wants you to go through the fire. Don't ask God to take the fire away. That is not God's plan. God's plan is for you to walk through it. The only thing the fire is going to burn is what the world has attached to you. Even from a young age. Amen. So, number five, the season of wilderness is the season where God's promises seem like a lie. I like the definition that Pastor Frank gave us in regard to wilderness. And he said, You may be in the center of the will of God, yet nothing is happening. And you start questioning. You know, am I in the will of God? What did I do wrong? You know, but God has promised me. And yet what I'm experiencing is far from what God promised. And so you, you, you start to question. Don't let your natural logic question God's dealings with you. This is a time to humble yourself and to say, Lord, I trust you in the darkest hour. I will sing praises. I will sing. There's a beautiful song that I like. I will sing hallelujah in the middle of the storm. God is there with you because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's foolish to pray, Lord, be with me. Lord, be with us. No, he said, what are you calling me a liar? I said I would be with you always unto the ends of the world. We need to become God conscious rather than circumstances or feeling conscience. God is there right along with you. He said, my child, I've been with you ever since. You, even in your mother's womb, even though at times you felt that I have forsaken you, that I haven't been with you, it was those times that I I have been with you more because I will never leave you nor forsake you. So it's a season where you you feel that God's promise is is a lie. God promised me this, but I'm experiencing this. Amen. We have a choice. Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. Now, God promised. He said, by his stripes you were healed. That's, That's God's word. Yet what I'm experiencing is a different thing from what the promise of God. So I've got to hold on to the promise. If I don't hold on to the promise and start swaying and holding on to how I feel, I'm not going to receive the promise. The Bible says, after you have suffered a while, for you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. You see, the promise comes after, after doing the will of God. What is the will of God? The word of God. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 that by faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. Not just by faith, but faith and patience. So I need to exercise my faith, develop my patience, so that at the end of the trial I may receive the promise and walk in the fullness of God's promise. But there is a battle that goes on and we need to stand fast in that battle. All right, finally, The season of wilderness is the season where other people begin to question your calling and your relationship with God. They start, Pastor Frank said, they start to investigate you. Are you sure you're in the will of God? You know, well, it doesn't look like it. Why is all these things happening to you? Maybe you stepped out of the will of God. Maybe you've gone in the wrong direction. They start to question your faith, your integrity they start to question your decisions. It's also a season of wilderness. You know, if Paul went by the physical circumstances, whether he was in the will of God or not, he's never been in the will of God because he was always experiencing all of these tests and trials and challenges, shipwrecks and all of those things. That is no proof that a person is not in the center of God's will. It might be a proof that you are walking in the center of God's will because God is not going to oppose someone who's not walking in the center of God's will. He's not a threat to him. So he will come against you with everything that he has. Why? Because there's a calling on your life. There's a purpose in your life that is greater than what you have imagined and God is training you the devil is trying to destroy you and God is testing your faith so you need to remain strong you need to remain steadfast in the wilderness my time is up but I want to give you a preview of what we're going to be talking next week when God puts us in the journey uh, when the journey begins and he puts us into the wilderness he gives us a map listen carefully He gives us a guide, our very own guide, who knows how to interpret the map, because in the wilderness there are many temptations, there are many distractions, and so not only does he give us a map, but he also gives us a guide, and furthermore, he gives us additional instructors to help and educate us on the way, to equip us, to train us. And, of course, it gives us the discipline. Remember, we're going to talk next week about the map, the guide, and the instructors. Praise God, I trust you've been blessed by what I shared with you. If you are in a season of wilderness, if you are in a season where your faith is being tested, where you are being tried, remember this, that as you remain steadfast and faithful to the Word of God, He will bring you out as pure gold. Stand strong in the test. Be encouraged. If you, The Word of God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that, that no temptation, no test has taken you such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Can you say that? God is faithful. And he will not allow you, he will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able to be. But with the temptation or with the test, with the trial, he will make a way of escape. And that way of escape is his word. Praise God forevermore. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your precious word today. Thank you for the anointing of your spirit, dear Lord. And thank you for opening ears today and opening eyes to hear and see truth. Allow truth to transform us, to change us, and to develop us spiritually. Father, teach us, help us to grow up, to mature in the things of God so that you are able to communicate to us the deeper truths, the mysteries of the kingdom of God, the hidden wisdom that is reserved for our glory. We give you praise today and thanks in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message.